Hello and welcome to the 36th episode of the Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on developers themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Guns of Icarus Online by Muse Games. Howard, who are you and what do you do? Um, we are Muse, and we're a indie team in New York City. Um, me personally, I guess I have more of a producer's role. Um, and we started with just the four of us. Um, okay. Just we decided to make games with Unity, and we're now a team of ten. How is the video game community New York? Vibrant, strong, large, indifferent. Um, I think it's definitely grown uh, when we started. Uh, I think since, since since we started, I think it's definitely grown quite a bit. In New York, it's um, because I guess New York is actually bigger than people thought. Some people in Brooklyn, some people are, are in the city, maybe in Queens and, and whatnot. So I think bringing everybody together is a little bit more of a challenge sometimes. Right. Um, and I think people are really into just kind of locking themselves in their rooms and just make stuff. So yeah, um, I think there is definitely more of a vibrant uh, indie gaming community here than ever before. Um, but then it's really just kind of us making a more dedicated effort to make sure that we meet <laughs> regularly. Yeah. I mean, hang it, out. people do say New York and London in the same breath, which I think is a little bit unfair to both cities because they are quite different in many regards, and one's much older than the other, etc., etc. Um, but there is a similar problem. It's London is a sprawling mass of a city uh, with millions and millions of people, and they think, oh, I live in London. Like, really? Which bit? <laughs> no, it's, it's, this, this, it's a vast area. So to, to converge into one spot and to work together is, is difficult, but uh, yeah. there's, some, there's some commonality there. I think it's gotten a lot better recently just because um, the game center, so NYU and NYU Poly used to be two separate schools and they have two separate game center with game programs. Right. But since they merge, um, I would say they have become the preeminent um, center for like, especially indie gaming um, okay. in New York where so like, so we, me and a few other uh, indie devs, we host a uh, indie dev group Right. And, um, you know, we'll coordinate events and, and whatnot. And now we pretty much do a lot of the talks at the NYU Game Center. And, okay. you know, they have um, they, they've also invited a lot of like, you know, indie game, like, you know, just guest speakers. And they work with Baby Castle to do experimental gaming and stuff like that. So they, they've actually become a hub, whereas that hub didn't was more scattered than before uh, okay. uh, in the past. So I think they've actually done a lot to bring, you know, indie gamers or indie game developers together. Whereas like, I mean, I think compare that to say Boston, you know, a lot of my friends are in Boston um, and they, you know, it's where like mega booth originated and everything. And they, they, they were all in one share space. You know? so, wow. so I think that's okay. kind of hard to beat, you know, like a lot of the, the prominent in, uh, Boston indie game developers are like in the same, like physically in the same space. That's um, yeah, so I think that's that really makes a difference. Yeah, 
like I said, London developers were again similar, um, thriving community, but scattered to the four winds yeah. throughout throughout North, East, South, and West London, which is a large area. So going back to you, I just want to ask about your scene there. But how did you make your start making video games? What was your first tentative steps towards doing this extraordinary thing? Oh, gotcha. So we were actually working on a, four of us were working on another startup and we were using Unity to make virtual spaces, uh, call it virtual worlds or, or whatnot. Um, but we wanted to bring a lot of the web content into a virtual space. Um, and that startup failed horribly. So we decided, because we, we were all using Unity for a bit at the time. This is when Unity was also in their infancy. And we just decided to make games because that's what we wanted to do, what we love to do. So we just say, what the heck, and started to make games. Awesome. Okay. So this is your first foray into commercial environment then. The, the, the Guns of Icarus Online is your first um, title. Is that right? We made, we made uh, two other games. Okay. For, one was called Creepers. It's a 3D, 2.5D, 3D environment platformer. Okay. Bioluminescence, which playing with bio, a lot of bioluminescence and you know, like switching character controls and stuff like that. Um, right. And that was also on Steam, and we ported it to the iOS mm-hmm. platforms. And before then, we actually made a single player, um, you know, Guns of Icarus, that we later renamed to uh, Flat of the Icarus. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of an on rail single player um, prelude to what we did with Guns of Icarus. Right. Okay. I just wanted to get that flavor where, you know, your your heritage, so to speak, and your, what you've been doing and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you sort of took one painful step uh, at a time. We, yeah. The, the first, like when, we, when we first started, we didn't really know what we were doing, I guess, as, as much. So we made a, a couple of small games um, that we just put it up on our site for free for people to just play. Um, and I guess the the first person Gunsaker's precursor that was the first game that we ever sold for money on Steam. And Steam was you know our first. It was pretty much our first um, you know game like distribution platform. So yeah, and it's it's almost become default. Not quite. I wanted a disservice to good old games or many other. Um, services, maybe not Origin, but that's another discussion for another time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I still my I, I, one of my biggest mistakes I personally made is ever installing Steam on my phone over the summer. You know, oh look, look, it's it's you know it's Fallout Three New Vegas for two pounds. Brilliant, I'll have that. What have I done? <laughs> Silly man. But it was the Ultimate Edition it had the entire collection of. You know, it's everything for two pounds. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, <laughs> so what are your biggest influences as a team, or maybe even yourself? What is the thing that uh, you find drawn to and found reproducing in great, on, on an homage-like way in your in your own in your own work? What's, uh, that's, what's the th- that's really a good question. I mean, we, I think for us. For each game, we will draw inspiration from different things. Um, and 
so like the inspiration can come from a lot of different places. Sometimes from other games or other developers. Sometimes, but sometimes uh, from film and from literature as well. Mm. And and so it, I would say so for for instance, like you know, with, with a lot of the art style and um, you know po- post process effects in Guns of Icarus, we drew as much from, if not more, from uh, film than we did from other games. Um, just looking at, you know, especially like, you know, really classic uh, films and you know, trying to bring that type of flavor into the world that we're trying to create or, or the, the environment that we're trying to create. Um, I think, so I, I guess it really depends. We're not really tied to a, a genre um, or a particular style or even our style. So I think it's just really wherever that inspiration comes from. Um, it could it literally it, be anything from a wallpaper yeah. to an actual tract of text that you've read yeah. in, a, in a novel, and you think that's 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 profound, and maybe you could use that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it yeah, I think I think for inspiration we we take from anybody, and as far as just organizationally um, as a team, like how we want to be as a team. Um, we definitely want to value like innovation and creativity and trying to make sure that we don't like kind of bind us or tie ourselves down to you know any particular um, way of making games I guess we're, we're making for like some specific genre or you know like type of game so I think in that you know we'll, we'll definitely take inspiration uh, from say a team like clay um, or double fine um, where they are like they've grown a lot I and mean, they're really well established and they're you know basically big now but you know, I think they will take still take a lot of will really like you know take all the creative risks to make games that they believe in in different styles and, and whatnot so I think they're, they're definitely people that we look up to I mean I guess you know it's it's kind of an easy way easy answer right because everybody a lot of people look up to them but um, I think I think we look up to them for that reason. Which leads me on to my next question: Is who do you most admire? So it sounds like it's Mr. Schaefer and his 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 team at Double Fine, unless it's someone else. Um, well, I think you know, like uh, Clay, like you know, the the Marketing Ninja, um, uh, Don't Starve de- Devs. We look, we actually, we we definitely admire what they do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 some some. I thought Mark the Ninja was a glorious piece of coding, um, and it reminded me of a very very old game from way back when in the eighties, which played remarkably similar to Mark the Ninja, but was on the Commodore sixty four and an old eight bit machines. And I remember saying this to the developer, he looked at me with horror, like, "What? This has been done before?" Is it? Don't worry about it. It's fine. It happens all the time. <laughs> You know, you think you've invented something new, but in fact, and suddenly it's been done before. But you didn't know. It's okay. I mean, it's it's like Fez. Everyone's saying, "Oh yeah, Fez, that's amazing rotation mechanic." Like, yeah, but it's done before. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I think <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's the thing is that I think a lot of game. I mean, if we're drawing inspiration from other games, then yeah. we're also drawing inspiration from other games mechanics right indeed and so it's not indeed. really like oh imitation but no inspiration no. has to come from somewhere like I, I think that's what innovation sort of is is that you know it, it's not like oh it's even even see, take a look at like thomas edison or whoever i mean it's not like oh 
they just invented something completely out of vacuum. It's always that there's reference to draw from, there's there are things to innovate from or to improve from. So I think games the same way. Yeah, you maybe wonder though Tesla, he had he was touched in many different ways. But yeah, you're probably right. You actually are actually right. It all it stems back from there is inspiration, of course there's inspiration and experimentation and Friday kite in the middle of a storm and going Huh, that hurt, but <laughs> at least yeah, something. Yeah, so yeah, I, I it's not. I don't want to disservice or, or discredit. I just I, I love historical looking back and saying, yeah, this is this is great. But I've seen this mechanic before. Oh yeah, here it is. And I've, I've gone to PAX and you know spoken to developer goes, yeah, look, look, and just shown this video of a game that's from thirty years old. And like, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's okay. It's just a mechanic. I mean, your game is, you know, way better. I mean, it's the, you look at it. Look at it. You can barely... But the actual core mechanic was there. Right, right. And, uh, you know, they, did, they, did, they didn't take any insult from it. They were quite sort of taken aback, like, wow, this, this, you know, sometimes history does repeat itself. Because they didn't... They didn't they'd never seen the game before. They'd never yeah, I, I mean, even with guns, it's sort of a, a interesting... You know, so we had a goal to uh, eventually to make it about you know, to really focus on teamwork and to try to find ways where we can push that boundary. But the individual mechanics, like, we, we, you know, we, we draw from different inspirations, like, okay, getting on turret guns. Well, you know, I, I think just seeing how that works, how satisfying that is, you know, we would definitely draw inspiration from other games with, you know, a turret gun mechanic. You know, like, not even um, with it being the main mechanic in a game. So, for example, like, you know, you've played some older school like FPS like not not older school just just older FPS like you know Metal Honor the older gen Metal Honor um, you know what's it called like Pacific Assault whatever um, there are times where you're on um, you know what you're manning like the big turret guns on a on a ship right or whatever I mean granted it's only like really a tiny sliver of the game set engagement you're just on that gun shoot down some stem all down some stuff and you're done and you move on right to the, the main game yeah i mean um, the, the, the biggest most celebrated one was from modern warfare 2 of course yeah fair enough and then you so know, like just the, looking at that we're like hey you know that could be a really awesome thing i mean it's always really satisfying but yeah too short right so it is, to yeah. to kind of center around a, a game to have that play a, a you know a major role in the game could be interesting um so i i think and then you know for for our repair game you know we want that kind of frantic time management type feel so we will look at um like old school time management games like diner dash or whatever and and so to i guess for us then the like maybe maybe we can argue that what hasn't been done is to bring those really disparate mechanics uh, into one game and to, to experiment with that. Uh, but then those individual mechanics still existed somewhere, you know? Yes. So, yeah. so I think, I think with us anyways, um, I think there's, hopefully we innovated and did something different. Um, but we also, it's not like, Oh, we came up with something completely out of vacuum either, you know? Yep. Yep. Speaking of other games, what are you playing right now? Oh, uh, yeah. What's the this, thing that's distracting you that you really shouldn't be? This weekend, <laughs> I just finished Never Ending Nightmares. Oh, right. I've heard about this. Yeah. Can you tell us about it? What is it? Um, yeah, sure. It's, um, 
it's uh, I guess in the horror genre, um, but it's kind of you're pointing. It's um, more of a linear, like size rolling type of, um, for the most part, I mean, um, you know, 2D type of This is of one game. of the weird sort of black and white 2D. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it looks it's like, like it's uh, hand-drawn, it's all like yeah, shaky hand, animation. and Hand-drawn type of look. And, yeah, uh, yeah the, I think the art is art is amazing. Um, and the sound work and the music was really awesome. Um, and it's made by the same chap who did Retrograde, a game no one bought. And then he went into depression. Is that right? Well, is- I, I mean, I, I, um, I did back their Kickstarter, and he talked about that a little bit about yeah. that on, on his Kickstarter. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's regardless. Regardless, I think it's a it's mm. really cool game. But, mostly, I think for me, the the best part is just like you know, the it's I really enjoy the art style and the music and the sound. I mean, everything came together pretty well, and. Uh, you know, I really admire or respect a developer who takes a, a risk or take a chance on, um, you know, create a direction in an art style that they really believe in, yeah. even though it may not, you know, it's it may not be like you know the the most popular thing to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so anyways, I, I play through it. I, I play through the game, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And that's uh, and that's that's the last thing, the, the most recent thing I played. Cool. No, that's a great one. Uh, I've had all sorts of answers to that question. Although, <laughs> as yet, no sports games. I'm not sure what that says about the indie development team, but just, <laughs> no, generally not Madden or FIFA or NHL, nothing. I'm thinking, yeah, I guess, ah, that's interesting. I, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, sometimes I was hoping, like, oh, they're making this extraordinary sort of like uh, esoteric game, and then you know, as a as a palate cleanser, they sit there and play FIFA. But no, they don't. They don't do that at all. Yeah, uh, I, mean, <laughs> I feel like with AAA games. I mean, I have played Madden or FIFA yeah. before, but it's not something that I will particularly like. You know, it's not like oh, every season of Madden that comes out now, like I'll try to get it. Just, just I feel like it's kind of the same game. Maybe I, I could yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong. But. I think, yeah, bless the, those developers who have to do that. Poor sods, you know, <laughs> working in those hundreds of teams to, to make a game about the same thing over and over again. It's, you know, it's not as if they can change the rules. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, kick the it's, ball up and down the field. Okay. I mean, we definitely play AAA stuff. Um, yeah. But, but I think for me, it's harder and harder to invest, you know, a ton of time. So something like... It, I, I, I definitely tend to play indie games most of the time just because um, the session is, you know, I, I can basically play for, say, two hours and I can, like, get through the game and it would be a great experience. And, and I think that just, yeah, it just fits me better <laughs> now. Okay. It's, hard, it's actually harder for me to find time to play when I'm actually working on the game all the time. So. Yeah, and I understand. And knowing that you're going to play a game or pick up a game that you probably will be able to finish is pretty cool when you actually pick up a game like Skyrim like I'm going to be here for an hour or two <laughs> and then four hours later you've barely moved because <laughs> you spent the entire time reading some book you found on a bookshelf or something it's like what uh, anyway so I can I can appreciate what you've done and why you why you do that and uh, something probably why I'm drawn to them too 
So that's the end of the first half of the show. Hey, see, nice and easy for the first half. <laughs> Second half, though, is when it gets really tricky because we right. talk about Guns of Vickers Online and my thoughts on it and uh, some, some, some focused questions. So... Tell us all about Guns of Icarus Online. Give us the pitch that uh, you would you would deliver to someone who'd never played the game before in their entire lives. Yeah, I mean, the shortest pitch will be only a few words, I think. It is airship combat, combat <laughs> set in a steam t- steampunk world. Is it um, really steampunk? I mean, it, it feels like... It is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... That's a good point. It is... I would say it is right, a like... blend between steam and some diesel. So yeah, it's not. It's, like it's not the, Max, isn't it? Really, it's it's. I would say, hmm, if I was to like assign a percentage or something, it may be like seventy percent steam and thirty percent diesel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, right about there. And so it's not all steam. Um, and I'll I'll get into that in a little bit. But the overall pitch is just that it is really all about teamwork. Um, it is about you being on an airship with three other crew mates or crewmen um, operating in an airship together and the airships form teams to battle against other teams and you play these aren't zeppelins are they these are relatively small dirigibles or blimps maybe they are I mean they vary in size quite a bit I mean the smaller size um, ships are pretty, pretty small and you have the galleon which is you know, quite massive by comparison. So, so I think it, there's a, a range, and basically, you play as one of three roles. You can be a pilot, a gunner, or an engineer, and it's about your crew and the three classes of people working together to battle against other um, other teams. Okay. Okay. So, this moves to our first sort of point question, and I think you've answered it. Previously in our discussion earlier in the show, but uh-huh. um, it's really a blunt question. But I just want to open it up with this one. <laughs> yeah, why blimps? Why? Well, why, oh. why? Why have you? There's a. It's kind of um, a, a pacing issue for me in that you're yeah. kind of contained, and it's just you and two others. So you only got each other's backs to actually yes. overcome the odds. And yes. you're just sitting there in this thing in the air. There's no way out. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And is that so, why? Is that yes. why? Well, I mean, that is uh, a part of the reason. And so there's, I think, generally there's two parts um, to the answer. One uh, is what you alluded to, which is kind of a, a, a gameplay reason. And what we have found, I guess, is that in order for us to mandate teamwork um, to have a game that not just facilitate mandate teamwork uh, space is a factor 
yeah. uh, by reducing the amount of space, by, by having you perform different roles, uh, multiple people performing different roles, and by reducing the amount of space um, that you can operate in, um, we're actually forcing you to teamwork uh, more. <laughs> I guess forcing sounds like you know it's a you know it's a it's a it's a tough word to to say, but it's actually it's you know definitely along that line. Um, you know, whereas if you have like a some, even a squad base, um, you know, FPS uh, type of game, there is space enough where you can be you can pick your own combat tactic and affect the, the, the outcome of a battle um, almost by single-handedly. That's still possible. But and you're, I would you're say, preparing for that whole time, aren't you? It's inevitable. You see the target inside, but it's way out of range, right? But yeah. You're, and, and you're and just so, sort of drifting towards it, really. Right, And so, but by knowing that, I think then it's really interesting for the team to pick what kind of tactic they want to... To fight, right? I mean, if you are, if you have a, a shorter range brawlier type of tactic, then it's up to you to you either use terrain or to use cover or to just you know have that fast burst of speed to try to close this as fast as you can. Uh, whereas if you have a longer range tactic, then you want to actually stay away, right? And so I think that kind of coordination actually becomes more important in this game. And so, anyways. Uh, Space is definitely a factor by, I think, having people perform different roles um, on the ship and by limiting the space that you can operate in, um, we felt like um, it, it's a way to push teamwork, uh, to push a boundary of teamwork. And the other, as far as like, specifically why airship... Yeah, why an airship, yeah. I guess, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, I think... One is artistic and just like, hey, why not? It's just, you know, it's like airship, like steampunk is awesome and, mm. you know, airship's awesome. So, you know, why not do that? Whereas, like, you know, it hasn't really, in games, it, it's not been done quite a lot before. Um, yeah, the and, last time I, I remember it is the Crimson Skies. They had blimps. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, true. One enough. of my favorite games that was, it was, uh, I was rubbish at it, but I did, I did like playing it. And, and uh, I think the other one, it's a little bit more nuanced, which is that, so you're not if you're a pilot or you're a gunner engineer you are you're you're only just say better at your class by how much how many skill slots you have by how much stuff you can carry right Right. and so that will allow you to uh, handle different situations better whether it's fire damage or you know a component destruction or whatever or on the gunner side it's more like oh you have some ammo for long range short range um and for different situations right but you can still do you can still like repair and um and cop on a gun and shoot um right. so there is it's not the the class distinction is not as rigid i mean if we make it truly rigid then we probably will hurt teamwork more than benefit teamwork okay um, and so then we want to be able to abstract that um you know, to make that experience more a little bit more imaginary, right? Then, because if you play, say, for instance, if we put you in a tank, then the people who um, function—I mean, okay, fine—you know, I've never driven a tank before, or like have been physically inside a tank before, but at least what our, our reasoning is that you know, if I give you a tank, then you know, the roles and responsibility of you being in a tank or being on a like a an airplane, let's yeah. say. Is this more rigid, right? I mean, if you're a tank commander, 
you're probably not going to reload the shell. No, you or, can't move. Yeah. There's so, someone behind you to do that, and you can't move. You know, right. so. So, so I think um, the roles are a little bit more defined. And so in order yeah. to bring that mechanic or that teamwork out, um, you know, we have to abstract their experience a little bit. So if we make it into like a tank, you'd be like, wait a minute, um, I'm, a gu- I'm, a, I'm a person who's like actually shooting the gun, but hey, I'm not, I'm not supposed to reload the shell. That's not believable. You know what I mean? That's so right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we're still, okay, there's a gunner, that, that's someone else, and you have to reload the shells. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's your right. job. Right. No. No. So, uh, no. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think I think there are a lot of reasons why we chose airships spe- specifically, okay. but I think mostly just because hey, airships are cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I just want to yeah. tease it out of you because I don't think <laughs> I've ever asked you that question because you have met a few times and like yeah, why? Why blimps? So yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. So let's talk about team play then because. This has a history of video games, of the PC games specifically. Yeah, it's been going. You can stretch it right back to Doom, maybe. Actually, no, you can. You can. Yeah, there was co-op. Uh, it was one of the earliest land games ever played. Was was Doom. That's for most of us. Um, my concern is, and it's something has been tried many, many times before, is that. Well, you can recreate a land-like experience because you're working together and you're playing and working and you're, you're playing in the same you know, room sometimes. Uh, uh, how are you accurately having to maintain that online? Because I find that basically playing with randoms yeah. <laughs> is yeah. a problem, you know, and it, quite frankly, doesn't work. It just in many many games I, I can mention a fair few, but I won't because everyone knows it's unfair for me to point one out and then you know, <laughs> uh, it's be wrong. But there's one that springs to mind that I was particularly angry about when it came out because I had so much hopes for it and yeah. then it turned to rubbish. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not slighting Guns of Vickers Online saying this. I want you to explain to me why. That's not actually much of a problem because I, I believe it isn't in Guns of Icarus Online because you can't not be a team player in this game because it it goes south very quickly. But yeah, could you, I mean, could you expand on that for me, please. I feel like there is a number of things that you know we do. Um, I mean, to different degrees of success to foster that type of um, you know that that type of like you know crew composition, um, but. To your point, though, I, I, you know, people generally find it better with, um, with like just playing with their friends or people they know. And I think there's a lot, I, I feel like there's it's really many layers to that, that, that question or answer. Like one part of it is communication. Um, yes. I, I don't think people realize just how critical or how much um, of a role voice communication plays in the game. And Whereas, like, you can play some other FPS and you may not even ever talk. It's possible. That's true. That is very true. And yeah. I, I think to, I think when, when people, like, I, I, a lot of the veteran players are like, hey, you know, to be good at the game, um, mic, like, it's mandatory that you have a mic. And to the yeah. point where they, they'll request a feature that will indicate whether the per- this person is has a mic enabled in game or not, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's actually kind of fair because... Um, voice communication it's, it plays such a vital role I mean we had to integrate uh, 
you know, voice like, you know, how to, have, to make sure that we have native voice because it's that critical. And so I think if people are not used to voice control, especially with strangers, then, then it's, it's um, more of a struggle in the beginning. And, you know, we, we also try to do as much as we can just to kind of um, encourage camaraderie with like little um, functionalities like, oh, you know, if you finish a game, just combination, you know, thumbs up and, and things like that to try to encourage like more, um, you know, just, just to, the more acknowledgement that you're playing with other um, human players. But there, I, I would say overall, is it a sh- kind of a, a struggle? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's always been a struggle, it, it, you know, which, which is that um, playing with randoms, the experience is, I would say, yeah, it's not as good as like playing with your friends. And um, just because you're, you're, you and your friends, there's like a more familiarity with communication and, um, and whatnot. And so I think some of the problem sort of lie in the design of the match system itself. Um, where we went to, like when we were, the game was smaller, we went to, you know, we, we decided to use a, a match list type of system. And there's so much onus uh, put on the individual teams and crews to get it exactly right um, that it, I think it ended up being maybe a little bit too democratic um, in practice. So going forward, actually in two no, in a week and a half, we'll be releasing a new update where we'll like basically revamp the entire match system, um, where it's more, the new match system is more, um, I guess in in one aspect, like in the pub games, is more um, match made, and you know people can obviously still host their custom matches and find friends in a list and uh, in a friend list um, or in a match list, um, and crew form use crew formation and party systems, uh, but we'll actually try to use this. Uh, our system to facilitate, um, you know, better matches by pairing people, hopefully with you know similar skill level, uh, and by put, putting people, uh, putting crews or teams in, in the sim, in similar skill level, like to or experience level together. So I think I think um, long answer short, it's always been a struggle and something that we're still trying to improve. Like okay. with every release, yeah. Yeah, because the game is very much geared towards that uh, kind of gameplay. And like I said, it's been hit and and uh, quite catastrophically miss on a lot of titles. And uh, it's um, getting that understanding. That, I mean, let me give you a hit, for example. Yeah. Left for Dead. Let's just talk about that. Left for Dead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the pinnacle, in my view, in my opinion, you may disagree, of, of, uh, of team play. Uh, you know, you had to A, keep moving. <laughs> and and stick together and look after each other. And there's a lot of commonalities. I feel that when I play this, when Guns of Icarus Online, similar kind of feelings of you had to do all those three things. Yeah. <laughs> and but you know, with 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 this game though, with Guns of Icarus Online, it's very much uh, you kind of have to because you're stuck on this dirigible together. <laughs> so you know, it's not as if anyone can go running off because they can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a different approach. Um, yeah. And and there's no zombies, so you know <laughs> there is that too. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. But uh, I think if anything, that's a good model to to glom onto and uh, think yeah. about that kind of uh, if in doubt, like, well, what did they yeah. do? 
Yeah, no, it, yeah. absolutely. And speaking of the left of the day, I mean, when we are, what? So now we're working on the PVE expansion. Yes, and, you are. Yes, yeah. and we're you know, definitely drawing inspiration from left of the day. There's no question. Yeah, well, any horde mode like system. Yeah, I fair guess. enough. But I don't yeah, think they're, they're the way they you know build their AI director is probably at least for us probably the best that we know mm. of. So it's definitely. Um, it was mind blowing at the time when it came out. I never forget that. It was like, what is this lunacy? How can why can't I shoot? What I have to work with them? No, no, this will end in tears. And sometimes it did, but you know, when people actually got it and understood, yeah, you know, it, it's basically you know, zombie, um, uh, zombie outbreak simulation. <laughs> it's like, what would you do? Yeah, you, had, you know, and, uh, and you know, this and, is a this is a blimp. Simulation in that you're flying across a, a cursed earth, a blown, you know, an earth that's been <laughs> devastated by war. Uh, right. By it's not really described how that happened, but uh, and the only means to traverse across it is via airship. And uh, you know, that's that's what you what, what would you do if you were in a combat airship? You know. Exactly. So there it is. Now, micromanagement. Um, I've used this word in my notes, but. It seems to be a core aspect to the game in that you are spinning plates. Everyone, member, team members are spinning plates and then judging what they can risk in the, in, in the, for the sake of something else. Again, was that come out? Did that evolve over time? Was it always something you always wanted to include in this game? Is it the, or it just came into being throughout without your intention? I, I think it's really. Um I guess a way to encourage different tactics to have variability in tactics, I think. Um, so like take skills, for example, and I, I guess I, I'm hoping that I'm answering the question. Um, well, exactly. I'm trying to draw me more details of the game out of you. This, this is what the oh, yeah, yeah. questions are. So yeah, yeah. Cause there's different it, characters you can have and different skills. Right. We've never really spoken about that. And this yeah. is what I'm trying to get from you. You see? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so I am answering the question uh, yeah. correctly. So it's well done. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think with skills and ships and everything, um, the idea really is just that, um, that we want to have variability in the different tactics and try to encourage that, but also to make sure that the all the different tactics and different choices that people make are as balanced, as inherently balanced as we can make them to be. I mean, which is... I would say impossible to have perfect balance is impossible. It's an impossibility, but something that we're always nobly shoot for. Um, but then if that's the case, then, you know, all the skills or ships, uh, we want to introduce trade-offs. So you can have a skill that gives you a boost in something, but then when you do that, we want to take it away in something. So you're always making that choice. Um, maybe that's more advantageous for your situation or for your for your specific tactic. Um, but I think the idea generally is just to try to get people more tactical choice and to be conscious of a trade-off that one set of tactic or strategy is not dominant. Okay. That, that's, a, that's a nice balancing mechanic and making sure that people aren't the top of the tree all the blasted time because they have these set of skills over everyone else yes yeah okay okay so my last question see look you know, it wasn't that painful 
I'm not really saying it was, but uh, sometimes you can be like, what do you mean? Like, no, it's fine. Um, is, it's related to my second question, really, but uh, um, what advice would you give to a new player? You know, what one piece of advice you'd give to not just a player, but a group of players who want to, a group of people who may be sick of shooting each other in Planet Side 2, say, yeah, and uh, feel like flying around in an airship for a bit. What's what's the thing you would tell them, or you know? What, well, what's the, we've actually one made we finally made the tutorial a you know more uh, presentable. I guess. Okay. So okay. so I actually would encourage people to try the tutorial. Whereas right. before, I think our tutorial kind of sucked. Um, and, <laughs> well, actually, when we started the game, it's a typical indie like dev. Um, you know, mistake or maybe overconfidence, right? It's just like, oh yeah, tutorial, psh, nah. Yeah, people will just like play and they'll try to figure it out. You know, we, we want people to just uh, figure it out. No, this and is, no, this is I mean, 1983. This is uh, yeah. When there's something this, yeah, something like this different, yeah. um, people definitely needed some guidance. Yeah. Uh, and so tutorial, we went through a few different iteration. Where now, like at least it teaches teaches you a few like pretty crucial and basic things about the game. And so I think that is, I would say, yeah, I mean, give tutorial shot. I mean, there's, it's really short. Um, the other thing that I will encourage people to do is just to not be like timid or afraid about voice communications and talk to your crewmate. Cause I mean, I think especially when you crew with somebody who plays a game for a while and who knows the game, um, they, no, I mean they they would just know all the different like nuances to the game, um, the, uh, the the different strategies and whatever. And um, being like, even if you're playing the game for the first time, yeah, um, just having the ability or be being willing to talk to your say your captain if you're crewing um, about what to do, it's already a huge advantage or it's already a huge step. Um, yeah. So how's the community with, with new players? Because video games, especially online video games, are notorious for being perversely hostile to, to new players. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, why, why do that? Why, why shun people from playing the game you like playing? Never yeah. understood that. I never understood that mentality. Because at I, one time, that same person who was hurling abuse to that person for being experienced was also inexperienced. I no, just, yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't make any sense, and I know yeah. you as developers are horrified, and yeah. you know you do everything you can to stop it because without new players, your game will die. Yeah, and yeah. it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Sorry to say that it sounds dramatic, but yeah, no, no, that's, it really it's what will happen is your your community will shrink and shrink and shrink because it becomes so toxic, and then eventually they all walk away because no one's playing it anymore because they created that. Just, you know, it's. It's something I feel very passionate about when I've had it personally when you go online for the first time, play a new game, and I made a mistake. I didn't know what I was doing. And just rather than any help or any assistance, I just got abuse hurled at me. So, yeah. you know, it's like, what are you doing? So, how, to, how, how do you overcome that? How, how, how are you? I know it's early days yet, maybe, but what, what plans do you have to overcome that problem? I think a lot, I mean, we're fortunate, I think, that our, the players who play our game form a really, I mean, it's still a small, um, but really, by and large, like a really nice community. And I'm really yes. proud of like the community that, you know, 
we're, that we have in the game and the players that we have in the game. Um, right. Uh, a lot of the veteran players, they were actually really nice and they would go out of their way to help um, new players learn the game and reach yeah. out and whatnot. And yeah. I think in that, we're definitely really lucky. Mm. And I think, it's, so the onus is really, like you said, on us as devs to do more and yeah. more and more and more to... Because the bigger it grows, it's going to... You know, you're gonna have that problem with these old veterans going. Oh, I can't play with noobs like that. And I, yeah, I mean, which well, is you were once a noob. I don't understand. Do, do you remember? You yeah. were once that person. Right, do you remember right, right. that? Don't you right. have any empathy? It's really weird. It's 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 I, you know we look at you know other games like especially mobas. They're notorious yeah. for it. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> so I think I think for us then it, it's there's like num- It's really a multi pronged thing. There's like a number of things that we need to do one i think um something that's like really um that that should have been done a while back which is basically to have a better match system which is what we're doing now yeah um and what we have been doing for the last six months just building and testing and revising and so i think just a better match system to facilitate more even matches or fairer matches i think it's crucial um and then like we have other so, so I think the way we, the approach that we took generally uh, to encourage teamwork, to encourage like, you know, more empathy, I guess, is to bring out more empathy, is to have more mechanics that possibly, positively reinforce um, just, you know, teamwork. Sportsman-like behavior. Yes, exactly. So, you know, the little like combination thing that, that we added, it's really simple. Just adding a, you know, at the end of match, just the ability to give your crewmates and your teammates or even your foe a thumb thumb up, and to tie that to you know achievements, let's say, or to to you know a, a different branch of progression. I think that some things like that, I, I would say, help, and it's actually more effective than we expected. You know, we're really. And then part of it is also just moderation. Um, you know, moderation it's two parts. One is to you know, for people, for players who want want to volunteer, and there are actually many. Um, you know, we make sure that we have we, we support them. Um, we formalize it a little bit more. So, we're like, we'll do something called the community ambassador, which is something that our players actually came up with. It's like, hey, we want to help out more what, uh, to teach new players to you know help you guys organize events and do all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, how do we do that? We're like, huh, I don't know, but you know, we'll help out. We grant you like uh, you know some. Um, status in the game or even like sometimes uh, to some extent like more less you know less like um, I guess just less liable like type of um, modules and stuff for them and you know and the other the other aspect is just moderation um, it's uh, it's sort of the, the sword aspect of, of community management it's if we don't like to do it but sometimes we kind of have to yeah, um, and it's because, just some, you know human beings being what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's a lot of things. I would say roll into one. Okay, well thanks for that. I just wanted to bring that out of you because you're making a game that's multiplayer focused. One has to address these points because it's going to happen. Yeah, it, I, I think uh, part of it is that like I feel like we have to set an example personally. Um, by that I mean you know we have to be able to set aside like just basically to, to to aim for maybe a few different principles um 
with, say, support, with how we interact with players, um, and it's deciding how open we want to be, um, you know, how like responsive we want to be, and how you know maybe even to some extent how nice um, and uh, how accessible. And basically, we try to go to the ext- maybe more of an extreme of by like, of basically being like really accessible, being like really nice, even though when someone's like you know just completely cursing at us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I think part of hopefully part of it is the the example that we set. It's like okay, wait, you know, like if we if we can't set an example of how you know we we as devs want you know, in the game, like, well, how we are in the game, then, um, I guess we probably can't expect our players to, to behave that way or to, you know, to, for our player volunteers to also behave that way. So I think it's part of it. Just look ourselves in the mirror as well to see like, you know, just, yeah, what kind of, if we were players, what kind of players we want to be or how we want to be treated. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much for being on the show. We, Really appreciate it. It's been fantastic talking to you no, no and sharing your, your experiences and your decisions about how the Guns of Icarus Online came into being and how it evolved over time. And why it's on a blimp, which is a, now I know why. <laughs> uh, so, can you tell us where can you get the game? How can it be purchased? Oh, yeah, sure. It's on Steam. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and it, really okay. So it's on Steam, it. okay. And it is. It is not free to play, is it? It is actually a game you buy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so th- th- be clear, everyone. You just don't go out and buy it, and then just play. Yay! So platforms, though, could you just tell us? Is it Windows PC only? I can't remember. Uh, it's Windows, uh, Mac, and Linux. Right. Okay, so it work on Steam boxes and stuff like that, wouldn't it? Yes. Okay. In fact, we have tested it and uh, if you actually go if you use Steam OS and you search for the game you can actually like there is a uh, a dev binding or call it a default binding that we already made for the controller so um, you know you can get the the controller experience okay uh, so it does work on a a, it does work on a 360 controller does it or yeah yeah it actually does alright interesting I haven't tried it. I've been using mouse and keyboard by default. I did not know you could use the controller because I don't yeah. prefer that. But um, yeah, 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 and then you can change your bindings on your controller as well. So um, Steam OS, yep, it's we're already we're we're ready. Brilliant. Okay. Well, like I said, Howard, thank you very much for, for being on the show, and I wish you the best of luck in your team and your future endeavors. Thanks so much. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com bye